Welcome to the final episode of the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwines, and today is the Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who through the fruitful virginity of Blessed Mary bestowed on the human race the grace of eternal salvation. Grant, we pray, that we may experience the intercession of her through whom we were found worthy to receive the author of life, our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Book of Numbers. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, Say this to Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord uncover his face to you and bring you peace. This is how they are to call down my name on the sons of Israel and I will bless them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God bless us in his mercy. May God bless us in his mercy. O God, be gracious and bless us. Let your face shed its light upon us. So will your ways be known upon earth. And all nations learn your saving help. May God bless us in his mercy. Let the nations be glad and exult, for you rule the world with justice. With fairness you rule the peoples, you guide the nations on earth. May God bless us in his mercy. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. May God still give us his blessing, till the ends of the earth revere him. May God bless us in his mercy. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. When the appointed time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born a subject of the law, to redeem the subjects of the law, and to enable us to be adopted as sons. The proof that you are sons is that God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit that cries, Abba, Father. And it is this that makes you a son. You are not a slave anymore. And if God has made you son, he has made you heir. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. Now he speaks to us through his son. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The shepherds hurried away to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw the child, they repeated what they had been told about him. And everyone who heard it was astonished at what the shepherds had to say. As for Mary, she treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was exactly as they had been told. When the eighth day came, and the child was to be circumcised, they gave him the name Jesus, the name the angel had given him before his conception. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So today, apart from being the first day of 2023, is also an important and ancient feast day in the Church's calendar. For eight days, we've been celebrating the great feast of Christmas, and today is the last day of the octave. And this last day of the octave of Christmas is given to the Blessed Virgin Mary, honoured under the title Mother of God. Now, this is an ancient title given to Mary, uh, and from the start, it's been controversial. But not for the reasons that we might think. Calling the Blessed Virgin Mother of God is a statement that not only speaks about her vocation to be the Mother of Jesus, but perhaps more significantly, calling Mary Mother of God speaks strongly about who her son is. It says something about Jesus. Calling Mary the mother of Jesus isn't controversial. That's a historical fact. Calling her mother of God, now that's a theological statement. So the big controversy centred around a man called Nestorius, who was the patriarch of Constantinople, around the year 420. Well, anyway, he was teaching that this title of Mary as Mother of God was really taking things a step too far. Yes, we could call her the Mother of Christ, the Mother of the Anointed One, but Mother of God? No, that's overstating things. Not that Nestorius had anything against the Virgin Mary. No, the question that Nestorius was asking was, How could Mary, who was a human being, someone created by God, be his mother? God is infinite, eternal. He has no beginning and no end. How is it that God, uncreated, could be born of a creature, a mere human being? Now, when you dig under the surface, you come to see that Nestorius' problem is not with the Virgin Mary, but with Jesus Christ. How could it be that God could be born of a woman? It's the same to ask, how is it that Jesus could be God? How is it that he can be both fully God and fully man? Now, the theological arguments that ensued were focused on trying to understand how it was that Jesus Christ could be both fully human and at the same time fully divine? And I'll be honest with you, it's not an easy question to answer, because how could an all-powerful God be a helpless little baby in a manger? How could the all-knowing God need to learn and grow in wisdom, as the Gospel of Luke tells us Jesus did throughout his childhood in Nazareth? How could the all-powerful God make himself subject to Joseph 
and Mary as his parents in the family. And ultimately, how could an eternal God suffer and die on the cross? It's not easy stuff to get a handle on. And in the end, we're dealing with something that is a mystery, whose depths we can't fully plumb. Now, bear in mind, that word mystery doesn't mean that it's something irrational. It means that it's something that goes beyond our reason. Something that we can come to grasp, but never fully. Something that we can start to appreciate, but never truly wrap our heads around. So the fact that we reach the limits of our understanding, and that we run out of words to properly describe what's going on, isn't surprising. That's what happens when you deal with God, because he's bigger than you. Well, I suppose the temptation for us then, in the face of this kind of mystery, is to drop the tension, drop one of the propositions and say Jesus was either fully God or fully human. There's no difficulty there, no great controversy. If Jesus is fully God but not man, then Mary isn't really the mother of God. He just looks like a human being. It just seems like Jesus was born like us and that Mary was his mother like our mothers are. And under this system, Jesus' humanity, it's, it's just like a mask that God is wearing. An apparition, if you like. So what if Jesus was just fully human? A really special guy, like Abraham, like Moses, like Elijah. Well, how can he save us? How can he be the mediator between God and humanity? No, we need to hold the tension that Jesus, born of Mary, is fully man. Because he's the son of Mary. And he's fully God because he's the son of the Father. Well, in the year 431, the bishops of the world met in Ephesus, in in present-day Turkey. And they had an ecumenical council there where the official teaching of the church was clarified. The Blessed Virgin Mary was to be called Mother of God. In Greek, Theotokos. And we can say that Mary is the mother of God because Jesus truly is her son. And at the same time, he is also the son of the Father, the second person of the Holy Trinity, who existed before Mary and took his flesh from Mary. All right, that's heavy stuff, and hopefully you're sticking with me. But we have this beautifully echoed in the second reading today. There, we discover the importance of what St. Paul is telling us. And if we really grasp the meaning of these words, they cannot but change our lives forever. Paul says this, When the appointed time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born a subject of the law, 
to redeem the subjects of the law and to enable us to be adopted as sons. All right, we see the two essential elements there. God sent his son, and this son was born of a woman. Now, think about the nature of fatherhood. When I look at my mum and dad, I can see where I come from. I can see that I have my humanity from them. I've received my nature from them. And you know what? I've got all sorts of genetic traits that trace their origins back to them. I'm human because they're human. It's pretty obvious, I suppose, but at its heart, that's what it means to be a father, to be a mother, to have shared your nature with your child. Right. Paul says to the Galatians, God sent his son. Just like me being born of my parents makes me human, so too the son born of the father makes him God. And this is what we say in the Nicene Creed, right? God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, and consubstantial with the father, of the same being as the father, God like the father is. So God sent his son. And then Paul adds, born of a woman. A whole new element is inserted here. God sent his son, and now we are told that the son of God is also born of a woman. So as much as being the son of God makes him God, so now we can see that being born of a woman makes him human. And so Jesus Christ is both fully human and fully God, and consequently we call Mary the mother of God. So Paul goes on, God sent his son, born of a woman, born a subject of the law, to redeem the subjects of the law, and to enable us to be adopted as sons. The key here is that because of Jesus Christ, because God took flesh and dwelt amongst us, we are now brought into a new kind of relationship with God. We are now Adopted sons and daughters. Not simply God's creatures, his creation, but his children. Now, St. Paul goes on. He says, The proof that you are sons is that God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit that cries, Abba, Father. And it is this that makes you a son. So Paul is revealing something key here. The Holy Spirit is given to us and dwells with us. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is God, as much as the Father and the Son are God. And this Holy Spirit dwells in the hearts of Christians, so that their humanity is raised up. In Christ, we see how divinity and humanity exist in perfect union in one person that is fully God and fully man, that he's son of God and son of Mary. And he does this so that we might be like him. Here's the key. Jesus has come 
so that through his humanity, we might receive his divinity. He's come to give us his life, divine life, the life that is the Holy Spirit. Now remember, the life he has is as the Son of the Father. And if he gives us that life, what do we become? Sons of the Father. We receive his life, the Spirit, which cries out, Abba, Father. Now, Paul says, look, don't get carried away. We're not sons by birth. We're sons by adoption. God is the one who has given us his life and drawn us into his life, into his family. So why did Jesus take flesh? Why was he born in a stable, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger? So that we might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we might be born of the Spirit and become sons and daughters of God, that we would be made sons in the Son. It's because Jesus Christ is the perfect union of God and man that we can call the Virgin Mary the Mother of God. And this reality opens up to us through the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. As St. Paul says, we are adopted by God and we are his sons and daughters because we possess his divinity, which is dwelling in our hearts. Now, it's difficult to take all this in. Not only because it's theologically dense, but also because it's mysterious, right? And Nestorius did battle with this and couldn't quite wrap his head around it. And he ultimately sought to compromise the faith to make it a little lighter, a little easier to grasp. So that standing in front of the Christmas crib, we wouldn't be quite so confronted. But this little baby in the crib is truly God and truly man. And he's come in order to raise up humanity to God, to make us all his sons and daughters, so that in the spirit we too might cry out, Abba, Father. Let me save a last little word for our Blessed Mother. Yes, this Feast of Mary, Mother of God, finally points towards Jesus, the one of whom she is Mother. And that's fitting, because that's what Mary does all the time. She points to her son. Her last words recorded in the Gospels is in John. It's at the wedding feast of Cana. Right at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, Mary utters her last words. Do whatever he tells you. She doesn't seek the limelight, even though she deserves it. She doesn't look for glory, even though she's showered in it. No, she points always to her son. Do whatever he tells you. And what we know now is that in Jesus, in the Son, we have the Spirit, which enables us to call Abba, Father. But importantly, that Spirit also enables us to call out Mary, Mother. We never err in drawing close to her. Because the closer we come to Mary, the more intimately we hear her instruction, 
that we should do whatever her son tells us. Maybe that's a fitting end to the podcast. To entrust all of these words spoken to her maternal care. That through her incredible example and her powerful maternal intercession, we may always do what her son tells us. So on this feast of the Mother of God, let us honour our Mother too. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.